Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Falcoholic podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live. This is your host, Kevin Knight, here to remind you that you can join us live on YouTube for our Wednesday night shows, which are at 8, 10 p.m. Eastern every single week, and also immediately following Falcons games for our post-game shows. Also want to remind you guys to check out our Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash Live if you'd like to support this, the show and unlock some exclusive perks, including high-quality ad-free versions of the live video show, including the Wednesday show, and also starting now, exclusive episodes of our post-game show in podcast format, uh, as well as some other cool perks like exclusive Falcons Q&A sessions with the crew and some cool guests. Also want to remind folks to check out the community Discord server, which you can find a link to on our YouTube page. You can hang out there and chat with fellow fans of the Falcons uh, on game day and otherwise, and that's a lot of fun. Uh, Thank you guys once again for tuning into the show, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to a very special edition of the Falcoholic Live, episode 167, here on your to uh, have some pre-Thanksgiving festivities. Thanks to everyone for tuning in and hanging out with us. We're not going to dwell on the things we're not thankful for, like that Patriots game. We're going to move move on from that very quickly uh, and transition into what everyone really wants to talk about, right? Which is draft takes, because right now the Falcons have a top ten pick. That's exciting to talk about. We're going to get into. Uh, how likely it is that they actually end up with a pick like that, some prospects to look at, just general needs, discussion, all that good stuff. Uh, We'll also be previewing the matchup this weekend with the Jaguars, which theoretically should be one of the most winnable games on the schedule. Uh, The Falcons are slight favorites, uh, I believe one-point favorites over the Jaguars, so, you know, uh, exciting times. (laughs) But before we get into all that... um, uh, let's welcome in our great co-host this evening. First of all, as you can see, we have Evan Birchfield, director of guest personnel. He is at Evan Birchfield on Twitter. Evan, how are we doing tonight? I'm good. Um, I'm kind of surprised how quickly Thanksgiving came. Like, I feel like it was just Halloween time, but right here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Time flies and the Falcons are bad. You know, it just sort of, yeah. the days bleed together. <laughs> also joining us today we have Adnan Ikic at say which way Adnan how are you doing tonight no doing well I want to thank uh, the viewers for spending their Thanksgiving Eve with us you know talking a little football talking some drops so you know uh, uh, thanks for being here yeah yeah absolutely guys thanks everyone for hanging out tuning in with us uh, suspect it'll be a quieter night because it is the night before Thanksgiving. I know a lot of people are traveling, a lot of people are with family, so for everyone hanging out, we do appreciate you. Um, 
Yeah, let's get into it. I, I, could, I see uh, somebody already brought up the fact that I said I might, you know, start uh, cheering for the Bills. And, of course, like, immediately the Bills lose uh, a terrible game, get, get their, their asses kicked. So, <laughs> you know, did I curse them? Uh, it's entirely possible. Uh, so for that, I am sorry, Bills fans. Uh, <laughs> I I will be. I don't. I don't endorse having the second team, but I will be cheering for the Bills on Thursday night. Yes, uh, absolutely. they play the Saints. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, I will. I hope that they plaster the Saints on Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, and it's been. Is that in Buffalo? I think it is. Uh, uh, I... That game is in New Orleans. Mm. Just need the right Josh Allen to show. Yeah, the right Josh. That team has been so weird. Uh, it's mm-hmm. been extremely weird. Um, don't really know what's going on with them. Uh, <laughs> they just seem to be one of the most strangely, uh, I guess, indecipherable teams in all of football at this point. Um so the season's been a lot of that though just it like has it has random teams losing and some teams it's like they shouldn't win a game and they do it's crazy yeah, buffalo is yeah. one of those teams and i know this isn't a bills podcast even though kevin's trying to make it one <laughs> um it, it, it they're one of those teams where it's like there's no odds on favorite and mm-hmm. they're like one of those like many teams that have those like legitimate hopes of probably like of possibly winning it all this year even though i'm still on record i still think the chiefs are going to figure their shit out eventually yeah and just in time for the playoffs but as of right now there's there's a lot of parity in the nfl there's mm-hmm. five or six teams that could make a legitimate run all the way and i mean the nfl like there normally is parity but you know normally there are those like one or two teams where you're like, all right, yeah, that team's probably going mm-hmm. like going to yeah. go very, very deep. It's just who's hit going to hit it hot right at the right point. That's what it seems like and figure out all their stuff. Like we assume Tampa will probably do that. I know they just beat the Giants, but I mean it's the Giants. But like if they, you know, beat like a, I don't know who their upcoming teams are, but like a worthy opponent because they've struggled in games too. And then Buffalo is a great example. One Kansas City. I mean Mahomes. You know, hasn't played great lately, but like it seems like they're getting and better. You, you know, the Packers are good to uh, make it to the NFC Championship right. game and lose. So you know, that's that's been their mo. Yep. Yeah. Well, I have successfully given the Saints the kiss of death each of the last two weeks by picking them in my like weekly picks. <laughs> um, so you know, I picked them twice now and they've lost both times. So I'm going to continue doing that going forward. Uh, so I am picking them against the Bills, but. Uh, that's only to make sure that they lose. So, you yeah. know, that it's I have an ulterior motive. I'm willing to take the L in the picks as long as I can make sure the Saints lose. That's more important to me. Um so yeah, let's uh let's get get into some draft talk. I know a lot of folks are excited about that. This is a very unique draft class. It's kind of the opposite of last year, uh, where there was this sort of kind of glut of great quarterback prospects at the top um you know an elite tight end a lot of elite offensive weapons you know some some good offensive tackles as well um but there wasn't really any edge players that were sort of worthy of that high of a selection and the falcons you know probably would have considered that if it was there but there weren't really any that were that high up on people's boards um 
Instead, this year, we've got a, a what is considered to be a pretty weak quarterback class where we may not even see a quarterback go inside the top five. But uh, right now, you know, according to the Draft Network, their top 100, there are three edge players in the top eight. Uh, so completely different class. Uh, this is one of the deepest edge classes I think that you're going to see. Uh, I believe there's 20 edge guys in the top 100. So um, there's there's definitely an opportunity here for the Falcons to, to make serious investments at the edge position. Um, but as people who have checked out my most recent mock draft will see, if they are picking closer to pick number nine – it's kind of unlikely that one of those top three guys, one of those top 10 edge rushers is going to be there, um, particularly if no quarterbacks end up going in the top five. So um, they may have to get a little bit creative if they stay at nine, um, but we should definitely uh, consider other options there. Like, And we'll talk about it. You know, a trade down, for instance, could be a, bi- a very significant option for the Falcons, you know, for like the, the reasons I mentioned, like the quarterback class and all that. There's also some other players worth talking about that I'm sure you guys are familiar with. But to open this up, let's sort of actually dig in on, you know, are, are the Falcons actually likely to end up with a top 10 pick when the dust clears? Because a few weeks ago, we would have said, you know, probably not. They're probably gonna be picking in the teens, mid-teens, something like that. You know, two weeks ago, they were picking 19th and all of a sudden, two games later, they're ninth. So, um, that's kind of how it's going to be this year with how these teams are sort of stacked together. But, uh, Evan, I'll go to you first. Where do you sort of see the Falcons finishing? And do you think a top 10 pick is actually something that's likely to happen? Or are they going to be sort of outside of that range? I think it's likely. Um, the schedule's not like all of a sudden getting easier. I know they play the Jaguars, but they could easily lose that game. And Detroit's probably the only other team where it's like they should probably win. But, you know, who really knows with this team? Uh, obviously, Detroit. yeah, I, I think if they lose to Jacksonville, like it's going to be really eye opening. I mean, Detroit obviously is not a good team either, but like I think DeAndre Swift's really good. Um, but like Jacksonville, nobody really scares me. So if they lose, you know, on Sunday, that's going to be very eye opening. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing stopping them from being being having a top 10 pick. Um, I don't. Have I mean I know we talked about it last time. But like I had the team projected to I think have ten or eleven wins, and that's gone completely out the window because there's no run game. I thought like Mike Davis was going to be a bigger piece of the offense, and he's been terrible to the point where they're literally bringing like Allison off the practice squad to run the ball. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I I think it's very likely at this point just because. There's some tough games coming up. Tampa, Buffalo, um, got to play the Saints again. And we usually, you know, th- those are usually split. But, it w- uh, you know, I obviously want to see them sweep the Saints. But they split, you know, playing Carolina again. And that'll be in Carolina with Cam Newton, not Sam Darnold. Um, I mean, I-, I could easily see them having a top 10 pick. Like, this team's pretty bad. We don't know, you know, especially if they're not getting Ridley back. Um and Patterson, you know, hopefully gets healthy soon. But if his injury kind of lingers on, I mean, we kind of saw how effective this offense is without both of the, like, it, you know, one or the other, but both of them not playing. I mean, the offense is pretty stale. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I totally agree with you. I think that the Falcons do have some winnable games, but like, it really depends. Like, you know, they're probably going to win at least one game, you know, out of Jacksonville, Detroit. 
Um, the Saints, you know, are very beatable. Um, we've seen them get beat, you know, back-to-back weeks now. Um, they are they could sort of fall apart down the stretch, you know, with all the injuries they're sustaining now starting to happen on the offensive line as well. So that's a team that's vulnerable. That could be another opportunity for a win. You know, Carolina, the Falcons nearly beat them. I do think they're better with Cam Newton, but, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, Adnan, how are you feeling about the possibility of a top-10 pick? Do you think the, the team does end up sort of finishing, you know, in that range, which would mean that, you know, they probably only win one or two more games, or do you think they'll do a little bit better than that? Um, well, if we lose to the Jags, then I will <laughs> come on the show weekly and update everyone on our draft uh, board and on yes. uh, uh, on what it would take to tank and be as high as possible because that's where we would be at if we lose to the Jaguars. Um, yeah, I'm with Evan on this one. There's there's some winnable games in here. Uh, you know, the the Lions are the other. That's the other game that just like jumps out at the page. They've lost every game except for one against Pittsburgh and Mason Rudolph as their quarterback, which they tied <laughs> this past week. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I don't you kind of you kind of don't want to get caught in the middle of it, where you know you you don't win enough to be uh, contending for the playoffs, but you win too much to have uh, to be able to pick a true difference maker in the draft which has been the dilemma the last three years. And, you know, luckily last year they lost out instead of winning out, and they ended up with Kyle Pitts as a result. Um, you know, in, in fairness, though, you you can always find difference makers throughout the entire first round. But, yeah, I, I think that they'll end up in that 10 to 15 range. I think they'll beat the Jags. I think they'll beat the Lions. And I think they'll beat the Saints at home. Uh, other than that, I can easily see the team losing all other games. Yeah. Even though you never know with those divisional games, you know, Carolina, even Tampa Bay. Tampa like, Bay is very, very beatable, apparently. Uh, but like that, that's one of those games where, you know, everyone is just chalking that up as an immediate loss in fair. But, you know, the Falcons in Tampa Bay, they, they fight it out like every single time it doesn't matter how good one team is i uh i know in my series uh history article i don't know off the top of my head but the teams over the past 10 years have played down to the last possession a ridiculous amount of times and you know that's back when tampa bay was terrible and the falcons were really good and you know in more recent times when when the bucks have been really good last year and the falcons weren't so you know you never know with those division games. Those are those are games where you just can throw everything out the window. Um, yeah, Carolina as well. Like you guys said, they're better with Cam Newton, but you know it's it's still a divisional clash. It's incredibly difficult to beat a division rival twice in one year. Even though I'm picking that us to do that against the Saints because I'm never going to pick the Saints <laughs> over the Falcons just out of principle. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, if you were to ask me right now, I'd say the team ends up 7-10 and 10 and picks 12-13. Yeah, 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 I think that's fair. Um, yeah, let me get one to... Thing that, oh, yeah, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. I was just going to say, one thing that hurts them against the Lions is I, I'm pretty sure that's a throwback jersey game, and they suck <laughs> in throwbacks. Yeah, they always play like complete shit whenever they wear the throwback jerseys. Are they playing so. at home? Yeah. Oh, that's oh, a lot. Oh, yeah, thing. that's a big chalk that one up. That's a big L right there. Big L. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the other thing. So many things going against them. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> it's the Falcons, the Lions. There's probably going to be like 200 people in those stands, <laughs> and 150 will be Lions fans. Yeah, they're they're this that could be their best chance to get a W. So. You know, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if they show up. But we got George Costanza with the five dollars. He says, "Happy Thanksgiving, thank you, George." Happy by Thanksgiving, the way. George. Happy Thanksgiving, George. He says, "Eating a twenty-two ounce T-bone tonight, and I got a twenty-four yes. ounce ribeye <laughs> going for tomorrow." My yes. dog and I are eating well. Thank you guys for doing the stream. Hope you all enjoy times with your respective families. Then he says, "Draft take incoming." So here's the draft take. It's a separate tip. I think he ran out of characters. <laughs> George, the three dollars. And we to have continue. to take this serious yeah. because oh, yeah, George yeah. literally predicted the last draft yep. pick in what yeah, George, like December. George could be Terry Fontenot, possibly. Yeah, he might be. It could be Terry. Like Fontenot's he, he even had he had the pick even before he was hired by the Falcons. Like he knew. He was yeah, he was watching hired. the show like, mm-hmm. well, way before. Like he knew where he wanted to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He says all right. He says I think if we are in the top ten. I would prefer to move down, but if they spent a top 10 pick on Jordan Davis, that wouldn't upset me. Still rather try to move down and get him. However, the 6'6", 330-pound defensive tackles don't come around often. Pure freak. Him and Grady, yes, please. Mm, beefy. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a player we're going to talk about because he's going to be available for the Falcons if they're picking in this range, more than likely. Um and yeah, guys, I don't know why the uh, the automatic tip thing's not working. It doesn't seem to be popping up. But if you want to tip, um, you can follow the link. It's in the show description. So if you go to the show description, it's there. You can also just type it in. It's streamlabs.com slash thefalcoholic. Um, I'll put it in the chat, too, um, for folks. It's, it should be popping up. I don't know why the automatic thing's not working, but uh, apologize about that. But thanks, guys. Uh, and then please continue, uh, Adnan, if you I think you're about to say something. Um, yeah, no, I was saying, like, Jordan Davis, he's not just, like, huge, but he can move. Like, he, someone that size should not be able to move downfield the way that he does. Like, he's someone that would be able to revitalize the trenches anywhere. And, you know, it's not just because he's he's from UGA, and that would make uh, the hometown fans really happy, but... Like, Jordan Davis, he could get some Heisman votes this year, and yeah. that's pretty ridiculous as a defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I really like Jordan Davis. You know, the usual refrain with a player like him is, you know, can he affect the passing game? Because he, he does to an extent at Georgia, but it hasn't really been a huge part of his game. And, um, you know, like you guys have mentioned Davis is athletic. Like he has the ability to, to do that. Um, but he hasn't done it consistently at the college level. So it just depends. Like, you know, Vita Veo is the same way. Veo is not a guy who had a lot of sack numbers, but he, he sort of grew into a bigger pass rushing role at the NFL level just by sort of getting his hands up, just pushing the pocket. Um, and like, you know, nose tackles, I'm sure you guys know, nose tackles don't light up the stat sheet. It's more about how they change the way offenses have to play your defense, how they have to dedicate multiple offensive linemen to, to that player on every play. Um, and it just depends on, on how important that is to the Falcons. Um, you know, we've we've seen, even having someone like Anthony Rush in there for Atlanta has helped the run defense a lot, just having a bigger nose tackle. But, um, you know, obviously Jordan Davis is going to be... <laughs> an improvement there over rush, but is it enough of an improvement to justify such a big pick? You know, we'll see. And that's something that they're going to have to decide if they want to make that sort of investment. But, um, you know, a lot we'll of people, also see yeah, go ahead. Go what ahead. happens in the combine because yeah. 
Jordan Davis seems like one of those guys that'll rise because of it, just mm-hmm. because of the way he's going to be able to move at his size. So there is a possibility that if the Falcons are picking a 12 or 13, that Jordan Davis isn't even there for them, that he... Like top kind of, five or something. Yeah, he kind of yeah. works himself out of that range. That's why you can never really be certain when talking about the draft this early because there's still so much that still has to happen. Uh, I'm not really super comfortable even doing like a legitimate mock. Like, you know, of course we all love mock drafts, but like uh, I wouldn't hold anyone, uh, I wouldn't hold it against anyone if any of their mocks are incorrect at this point in the season mocks should be like really looked at after the combine well you see it every year where it's like right now guys who are projected going the first round might end up just going like in the third or fourth by time the draft actually comes around it's just and that's nobody's fault it's just a lot happens after the actual season with the as you mentioned the combine and the private workouts and stuff yeah 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 um and like you know, I know someone else asked about DeMarvin Leal as well. Um, and that is another guy that the Falcons certainly could consider in the top 10, the Texas A&M defensive lineman. And I say defensive lineman because he legitimately played like every single position on the defensive line for Texas A&M. He's sort of like the opposite of a, of a Jordan Davis. You know, he's like 6'4", 290. So he's much more of like a smaller kind of do-everything defensive lineman. Um you know, he's going to be more of an impact pass rusher. He's a guy that could probably play, you know, more five tech, can bounce around and do a lot of different things. Um, you know, so I, I know, for instance, like uh, Leal is higher on a lot of boards than Jordan Davis. I don't know if that's necessarily fair because I haven't really watched a ton of Leal. So I haven't, you know, I can't really say who's better between the two of them. But, you know, that is absolutely someone that they would consider as well at, at that spot. Um yeah, let me uh, hold on. I think once. we can yeah, agree, ahead. though, it needs to be a preferably a defensive lineman or something along the defensive line, like without reaching, obviously, but that would be the ideal choice right now. Yeah. Um, or do you think offensive line? Like, I mean, I would be I, open. Like, Evan Neal, if he yeah. happened to be there, I would make that pick for sure. But, like... Outside of him, I, I'm not sure I would take any other offensive lineman in the top ten. I've been talking about the trenches forever, and I don't. I, I'm getting to the point where it's. It, uh, I, well, one at, at this point, when your team lacks so much talent that the Falcons do, uh, my preference is to go BPA. Um, but I don't think it would be the worst idea, possibly, to even get get like a cornerback. Someone like Andrew Booth out of Clemson. I know Kevin, you mocked him to the past week, but he like, I, I'm just like, imagine this team has so many holes that you're going to have to plug over the next couple of years to the point where uh, I'm thinking kind of throw caution to the wind a little bit and just build an amazing secondary and then try to have everything else feed off of that after building that then you can you know work on work on everything else but just to have that elite unit on your on the defensive side of the ball i think would go a long way in kind of you know helping mask the deficiencies of the other uh, of the other groups of the linebacker group and of the trenches especially um, of course it's still very early but 
just looking at how good AJ Terrell has played this year, the better he looks, the more I want to pair him with that dominant, you know, secondary cornerback to where, you know, teams can't just go away from Terrell every single time the way they have been this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I think particularly if the Falcons are picking towards the bottom of the top 10, you know, an edge guy is not necessarily going to be there. Um, you know, the three guys that I would take in the top 10 would be like Kayvon Thibodeau, who everybody knows about, uh, Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan, who everybody knows about, <laughs> and uh, George Karloftis from Purdue is the other guy. Um, and all of those three I'd be pretty happy with. Um, and I think they're all worth the top 10 pick without a doubt. But after those three, I think you would be reaching for the next edge if you were taking them at like nine. Um, I don't think the Falcons are in a position where they can force an edge pick there. The good news is that there's like a million guys you could take it in the second round. There's going to be somebody good there. Um, you know, like I said, there's like 20 guys that are going to be in the top 100 when the dust clears. Uh, 20 edge players graded in the top 100, and there I got news for you guys: 20 of them aren't going in the top 100. So there's going to be quality edge guys you can get a little bit later. Um, not saying don't take an edge, just you don't have to force it in the top 10. I, you know, and so maybe they decide to trade down in that scenario. But, you know, like, like Adam was saying, I had them taking uh, Andrew Booth from Clemson, who, I, who is, you know, an elite cornerback prospect. I love his, I love his game. I think he would be perfect next to Terrell. Um, and, you know, I think even though it doesn't, it's not the biggest need, I think like kind of along the lines of what Adnan was saying is you sort of start to actually build an identity for this defense, which is we're going to be an elite secondary. And obviously defenses is the whole thing. You can't just be like, we have great, a great secondary, so we're fine. You have to have at least some kind of pass rush, but it's complimentary football. So if you have an elite secondary, you can get away with a pass rush that's not as good, which probably what the Falcons are going to be dealing with next year, regardless of who they take in the draft this year. So, um, you know, I think getting that secondary to an elite point and just trying to have sort of an average pass rush could still be enough for a very good defense. It's just, you know, I, I think you, you consider, I mean, I think at that point you either trade down or you take the best player available. And if those three edge guys I mentioned aren't there in the top 10, I think you sort of have to go in a different direction. Um, yeah, everything should be on the table at this point. Like yeah. this team, we've seen it. There's just such a lack of talent on on, on defense, especially. Um, I'm I've moved moved kind of away from the idea of uh, getting your quarterback of the future at this point, just because I think uh, getting a rookie quarterback doesn't really do anything uh, with this team. Just because you know this team won't be you're not going to be able to build anything serious around him for a few years. And then that takes away the benefit of having a a rookie quarterback on a a rookie contract or a young quarterback on a rookie contract. Excuse me. Plus Matt Ryan has looked really good this year to the point where it looks like he's going to be able to play at a a very high level for at least the next couple of years. So I'm, if we didn't, take one last year when that quarterback class was really good when Justin Fields was there. I wouldn't want to force it this year. Uh, And, you know, I I feel like we can kind of kick that can down the road just a little bit more and, you know, try to build up this defense a little bit. You already have Kyle Pitts in place. Um, Maybe get a secondary weapon 
for later on when that rookie quarterback comes in or when that young quarterback comes in, then you have the team built around him for him to succeed kind of the way the Falcons were in 2008 when Matt Ryan was drafted. Yeah. And I think, you know, speaking of quarterbacks, like it's not off the table for the Falcons, but I think it's very unlikely um, just because they, if they wanted to take a quarterback, they would have done it last year. Um, They had, they're not going to get a better opportunity than that. They're not going to get a better prospect than Justin Fields. Um, none of the quarterbacks in this draft even come close to Justin Fields, in my opinion. I do really like Malik Willis, um, and if he happened to still be around in the second round, which I think is very unlikely, uh, I would absolutely entertain that. I think Malik Willis is a high-level quarterback prospect, but he's a guy that is going to sit for a minimum of one year. Like, he, you can't just put him on the field. It's, it's not going to work. Um, it would be terrible for him. It would be terrible for your team. So. What? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say, would you like to see them at least take a shot at like a with like? I mean, I I'm not a draft expert or anything. I don't know who the you know certain quarterbacks are in the mid rounds, but like in the three to four range, take a quarterback just as uh, let's see how he is. I mean, because there's some you know quarterbacks in the NFL right now who are starters and they they were taken like in that range, and it didn't like break the franchises like. Um, like Dak Prescott, for example, it's like he didn't, the Cowboys didn't go all in on him. They just kind of stumbled upon him kind yeah. of and was like, oh, wow, this guy's, you know, pretty good. And now he's their starting quarterback. But like the Falcons haven't, you know, obviously the new regime's new, um, but like the old regime just didn't even bother like trying. It was like, oh, here's a seventh rounder, maybe, you yeah. know. So, like, yeah. I think, what, Sean Renfrey was re- really one of the few mm-hmm. where they actually, like, tried getting a quarterback. But, you know, obviously you're, you are you don't take one in the first. Do you think it'd be worth, um, you know, in those, like, three to four range taking somebody just to see? Like, it's I mean, obviously not option. reaching, but, yeah, you know. it, It's an option, um, particularly if they trade down and get those extra picks. You know, I think it's more of an option. Um, but I, uh, to me, it's like I don't think any quarterbacks in this class – in that range are really moving the needle for you at all. Um, there's none that I'm like a big fan of, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, so like in a weak quarterback class, the guys that should be going in that three to four range are probably going to go like, uh, in the second round. Um, so that kind of messes that up a little bit. I'm, I'm more against the idea of getting quarterback in the mid rounds. You know, like just because that's such an important position, I think you have to really, you can't half-heart it. Like, if you're going to get uh, a new franchise quarterback or you're going to try for one, I think you have to go completely all-in on it. And there are examples, certainly, that Dak Prescott was a fifth-rounder, Russell Wilson was a third, um, Derek Carr was a second-rounder, and we know Tom Brady. But, I don't know, I just feel like it's so rare where even those teams, like, had they known that these guys would be this good, they wouldn't have waited that long to get them. So, you know, maybe you can stumble upon someone, you can get lucky like that, but the Falcons franchise hasn't been one to really get lucky (laughs) with those kinds of things in its history. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Exactly. You sort of, I mean, I think you sort of see what happens. Like, I don't think it's going to be an option at the top. So you kind of wait and see what happens in the second round. Um, If somebody does fall, um, you know, if Malik Willis is there when they pick in the second, like, sure, absolutely. Um, Like, I I think that's worth it. Um, But it, it doesn't help the team in 2022, no. But I think at that point, you know, if you have somebody fall into your lap in the second round, you just do it. Um, you know, like guys I would consider there, like Desmond Ritter, I like. I liked him last year, too. I would consider him in the second round. Sam Howell somebody, too. Um, you know, I think Kenny Pickett has been uh, sort of rising up boards a bit. I think he's certainly worth checking out on day two. Um, Carson Strong, you know, more of... It's funny, because Carson Strong's like a typical... Um, Carson Strong's like a typical pocket passer, but that's sort of gone out of style in today's NFL. So it's like, oh, maybe you don't want a pocket passer anymore. But, you know, he's certainly um, someone I think who who has some potential. But, um, you know, if you don't get additional picks, it makes it really dicey because you desperately need those day two picks to fix the major holes on this roster. And if you don't get any extra ones, it's going to be really hard um, for that. Uh, so let me get to some tips here because we have a few coming in. We got... Um, Corey Carter with $3 says Falcons are having their worst sack season in franchise history. So let's preview the Sunday post game show by talking about how we didn't get any pressure on Lawrence made him look like the second coming of Montana. The Falcons still might win though. <laughs> I hope not. I'm playing against Lawrence in fantasy this week. I need the Falcons. Yeah, defense I picked up Lawrence. I did. I did pick up Lawrence. Um, but to be totally honest, the Falcons have actually played rookie quarterbacks pretty well this year um, in terms of the defense. They, they've actually not been that bad against rookie quarterbacks. I think the defense as a whole has actually been pretty good against the pass. Um, outside of, like, Dallas, but, you know, Dallas obviously was too much for this team to handle. But against, like, a, against like offenses that aren't brimming with talent, this defense actually, I think, is okay. Like, they can handle it. But, like, against a, a team that's, like, straight up better than him at every position, like Dallas, it's going to be really ugly. So I don't think that's going to be the case in um, Jacksonville, at least. So um, then we got Brandon Brass with the $5. He said um, George Karloftis or Brees Hall with the first-round pick. Definitely Karloftis. Um, I do like Brees Hall, but I, I don't really see him as, like, a first-round sort of guy. Um, definitely later on I would be interested uh, and adding him, but yeah, I mean, Karloftis, absolutely. Like if he's there when they're picking at nine or even before that, um, I think he's definitely someone to consider. Karloftis is a really good edge defender. Uh, he's huge. He's great. Um, I'm, I'm, to- I'm big, big into that one for sure. <laughs> we got Ray Moon with the $5. So much draft talk. Can we lose to the Jags first? Uh, no draft talk waits for no man, Ray. Okay. <laughs> Um, Corey, I believe Desmond Ritter is coming out. He's like all but officially announced it. I think he walked it there like senior day and stuff at Cincinnati. So I believe he is coming out. I don't know if he has a choice about it or not. I don't know if this is actually a senior season, but, um, 
I believe Ritter is his all but confirmed. He also should out. strike all the irons hot. Like, yeah. Cincinnati yeah. could be in the playoff. They probably will be in the playoff. Yeah, it's, um, weird, it's wild, you know. Got a got a champion. My group, my uh, a, you know fellow AAC team, finally getting a shot at the playoffs. So. <laughs> I mean, I think they'll get plastered by Georgia in the first round if they do play them. But definitely, hey, they, yeah, they to get but, there is legit. Like well, George, to be fair, George is probably going to plaster any team they play anytime. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, this is the year. Go dogs! This is go the dogs. Year. Go it dogs, has to yeah. be this year. If it's not yeah. this year, I just don't know. They're just head and shoulders above every other team. It's kind of crazy. Uh, it's like a down year for the SEC. I mean, like you know, not not there's not as many elite teams in college football this year either. But Georgia's still like head and shoulders above everybody else. So, um, but yeah. Um, all right, we got Dylan Lee Spires with the three dollars. Thank you so much, Dylan. He says, "Is the cap situation really that bad if we do extend Ryan and Jarrett? I know it's super bleak right now, but maybe we can fill some holes in free agency." Dylan, it's not that bleak um, because. The, the cap is going to go up a bunch. We know that. Um, you can pull up sort of the estimates based on the higher cap here for you guys. Um, it's it's not going to be great. It's not like the Falcons are going to be major players. Um, but they are a little bit better off. Um, I think they have something like um, $13 million right now. The flip side of that is they only have, you know, 30 players under contract. So they're going to, you know, most of that is just going to go to getting just guys out there. Um, but there are some moves that the Falcons can make. Um, and I know you guys want to know what those moves are. So we'll, we'll get into that a little bit here. But, you know, extensions for extension for Ryan is like required. Like if they don't, if they're not planning to post June first, trade him or anything like that. Um, which I don't think they're going to do. I think they've sort of committed to Ryan at this point. Um, they could save $18 million with a Ryan extension, and I, I think they're going to go that route. Um, you know, We'll see how many years they spread it out, if they do void years or anything weird like that. All that's on the table. Um, Aaron Freeman mentioned you know, they could do like a weird restructure and also add void years. Um, that's also a possibility uh, that doesn't require an actual extension. But, I mean, I feel like they're probably going to do an extension either way. Um, the same thing is possible with Grady. You know, if they extend Grady, they could save, like, $12 million on his deal. Um, so, between those two, you know, right there is, like, you know, $40 million almost or something like I mean, it's, like, $30 million in space right there. So, that obviously helps a lot. There's certainly some moves you can make uh, to free up a little bit more. Um like for instance, uh, Mike Davis, you know, he's not coming back. Um, he's going to be, they save two and a half million there. Um, Tyler Davison, he's not coming back four million or almost four million savings there. Um, you know, other than that, not really anywhere else to create money, but you know, with all those moves, you're, you're looking at like, you know, 36 million plus the 18 or whatever they have right now. So, um, you know, you're looking at like going into the season with, roughly you know the off season you know roughly i don't know like 43 million 50 million something like that and like that's not a lot but it's enough to make a, a couple moves it's it's a hell of a lot more than they had last year so <laughs> it's like um i mean they basically like had to just completely go veteran minimum all the way down to fill out the roster this year um they're not gonna have to do that again so you know we'll see but um 
you know, I don't, I don't know. Does it seem? I don't think it seems that bleak. But what do you think, Adon? Does it seem that bleak to you at this point? Uh, I feel like they did. They kind of ate their vegetables a little bit last year, uh, and being so conservative with cap space, with not doing anything, uh, not signing anyone to any like long-term deals. I know you mentioned Mike Davis. He got a couple of years, but the second year is completely unguaranteed. Um, I feel like with some trades, with some extensions, uh, the team and with the cap space going up, like you mentioned, the team will be in a decent spot. Like um, last year was just the result of years and years of negligence from Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn. Um, and I don't think that we'll be in that bad of a situation for a long, long time again. But we're still kind of having to work through the, that bit of negligence still. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not over yet, but I feel like the, the very rock bottom dark days of the salary cap for the Falcons, that's, that's kind of behind us. And especially because after... Um, Terry Fontenot got out of Julio Jones's contract, which is looking really, really bad right now for the Titans. Um, I, that helps tremendously yeah. because I feel like if the team would have had to be paying Julio next year $22 million to you know, play 10 games and to get 400 receiving yards and zero touchdowns, that would have been pretty catastrophic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been pretty terrible. And if you guys want to feel better about the Falcons cap situation, let me tell you about the Saints cap situation uh, next year, which I'm sure everyone will enjoy hearing about. Um, it's it's really bad. It's really, really bad. Like, the Saints are, like, head and shoulders worse than every other team. The Saints are on the hook right now for... $265 million in cap spending next year. With only 40 players under contract. In case you guys don't know, the maximum cap is $208 million. So the Saints are effectively like $50 million over right now uh, for next year. Um, and it's even more considering that they only have 40 players under contract. You know, They actually have to come up with like $66 million. So, um Is like that including whatever they just did with Taysom Hill? I believe so. Uh, it may or may not be fully updated yet. They may have cleared out some space with that, but mm. um, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, Taysom Hill's contract is really strange also. Yeah. But, you know, they've got a lot of uh, things to think about next year. Um, and they're probably once again going to be clearing out their depth. And it's, you know, it's going to hurt. <laughs> it's going to hurt big time. Um, you know, they're going to have to really uh, tighten their belts and, and try to make, you know, that their best way to clear cap is to, like, cut uh, Mike Thomas and Cameron Jordan with post-June 1st designations. That's the best way they can clear space. Uh, but, you know, either way, they're going to be paying those guys, like, $15 million not to play for them, and those are also, you know, two of their starters. And with these so. teams, and like I said, we mentioned it with the Falcons, when you get so far down with the cap, you're going to have to have at least one offseason where it hurts. And we saw that with the Falcons last year. They didn't really, you know, they traded Julio, they signed a bunch of vet men guys, they didn't bring in any impact players, uh, you know, they lost some guys, and, you know, last year it, it really hurt. And, you know, the Falcons 
we're on the other side of that. It's not over yet completely. Uh, it's not as good as it's going to be in the coming years. But the Saints have never really had that year. It's just Mickey Loomis kicking the can down the road over and over again and Saints fans being like, oh, yeah, that's Mickey Loomis. You know, the, the cap doesn't apply to him. Um, but, you know, they're, they are they got in trouble this past offseason too. You know, they had to cut some guys, they had to cut some really good depth pieces. And, you know, they're going to eventually have to have a year where they really kind of tighten it up and they cut a bunch of guys and they can't really do anything about it. And that's still a team that, you know, it's not like a few years ago where you can justify kicking that can down the road by having a team that's close to Super Bowl contention, a team that's in the NFC Championship game. They're completely middle of the road, just like the Falcons. They have one more win than the Falcons. And while they have a more talented football team, that's a team that's not really, you know, on anyone's, like, short list of Super Bowl contenders. Um, And, you know, that's still a team that has, what, Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill as their quarterbacks under contract next year. Yep. If that, I don't even know if Simeon is under contract for them. I don't know either. That's a good question. But, uh, I mean, they don't have a quarterback under contract. So it's, it's. I mean, I, I think it's, well, I guess Jameis, oh, no, Jameis isn't under contract. No, it's Jameis a void year. It's a void yeah. year. Jameis is counting $3 million next year to not be there. So if he resigns, whatever he's making will be on top of that. Um, like, there are so many void years on the books for this Saints team. It's ridiculous. Um Man, that is a uh, that's wild, absolutely wild. Um, like this is what happens when a team like it's like it's like when you figure out that one mechanic in in a video game and you just keep doing it. Like you don't really understand it, but it's like oh this is working, this is giving me free money, and then you realize it's like oh I was taking out a loan, and then you owe like a million dollars at the end of the day. Um, it's uh you know that's what they've been doing, and um it's not that, like that's what i would call team, but the yeah. roller coaster tycoon effect yeah <laughs> did that plenty of times kept yep, exactly. using the loans and then yep. it was like well can't build anymore yep all it came crashing down then you restart at least with roller coaster tycoon you just start a new game you know right you, you don't that have to deal true. with the consequences yeah but that's true <laughs> you can't do that it's not it's not madden <laughs> it's not roller coaster tycoon so um but yeah i mean it, it is it is a difficult situation the falcons um do have a difficult situation but it's not anywhere near as bad as this year they'll be able to make some moves and i think the difference will be that the falcons will i think be able to spend on some mid-level veterans that they really couldn't this year they will have more flexibility to do that um so i think the depth will be better will they be able to go out and get a bunch of impact starters probably not but maybe like one or two um it won't keep it won't stop people from adding dave choate at the falcoholic telling him that (laughs) we need to sign everyone in fact it'll be worse yeah (laughs) it'll be even worse we have money now why isn't alan robinson on this team yeah exactly exactly so um yeah i uh i think um speaking of you know players they should add impact places they should add impact starters at i think offensive line you know this patriots game sort of brought it to the forefront in my mind but if I'm the Falcons, you know, Evan Neal, I think anyone who follows the draft knows that Evan Neal's sort of like the blue chip guy right now. Um, just this dominant offensive tackle. He's big. He's athletic. He's awesome. Um, he's going to be the first offensive lineman drafted. If he happens to be in range, uh, I would take him without question. I wouldn't take him over Kayvon Thibodeau. 
I wouldn't take him over Aiden Hutchinson, but I would take him. He would be like the third player on my board. Um, so, you know, if he happened to fall at the Falcons, I think they would do that. But if he doesn't, I'm just not sure there's another offensive lineman that the Falcons are going to be considering there. Maybe after a trade down, they could consider guys like, you know, Darian Kennard or uh, Tyler Linderbaum, who's like a center. Um, but, um, you know, to me, a guy I really like, and if you looked at my mock draft, uh, you'll be familiar with him. Uh, Daniel Falele from Minnesota, who is 6'8", 380, and actually a really good athlete. Um, he's only played football for like two years, but I feel like when you're 6'8", 380, and you can move like he does, you just sort of like, there's no way you're bad. Like, sure, like, you probably shouldn't start your one, like, a ton, but um, I do think it's it's a legitimate... This is a good time, I think, for Falcons to target a right tackle in the draft, and maybe you can afford to go after one of those super high-ceiling project guys, let him sit for a year, let McGarry sort of ride out his final year of his rookie contract, and then throw in Falele next year as this sort of giant road grader. Um, and, you know, I would like that, but... <laughs> we'll see what happens there. But I mean, other positions they might look at, like I know wide receiver is a big one. Um, I don't really think it's a first round need. Maybe you guys disagree, but I mean, what do, what are you guys sort of thinking? If if you were picking for the Falcons, what would be sort of the, the positions you would be focusing on? We talked about edge, we talked about corner a little bit. We talked about like Jordan Davis. Is there any other positions you'd really be looking at? I feel like it would have to be on, on, well, Either for me, it's either the trenches or uh, in the secondary, um, and I think we have to operate under the assumption that um, Richie Grant will be a full-time starter next year. You didn't invest a high second rounder into him for him to continue sitting on the bench. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those. It's offensive line, defensive line, or cornerback for me at the moment. I. I wouldn't really be, you know, thrilled with something else. But, you know, of course, I'm on record of saying, you know, BPA. So if if they have someone on the board that's really like, you know, they really can't pass up the way Kyle Pitts was there last year. Uh, you know, we didn't really need a tight end, but he was definitely the BPA. Of yeah. Probably the BPA of the entire draft. Um, then, you know, I, can, I can't fault them for going BPA because the Falcons aren't in a position where, you know, you're one piece away and then you're reaching for that piece, you're reaching for that position. We're in a position where we are many, many pieces away. So, yeah. you know, at, at this point, you just have to focus on adding talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, running back is one. I feel like if, if they don't trade, I feel like if they trade down, the chances of them taking a running back on day two go up a lot. Um, and I think, you know, that obviously would help the offense. It can be, we've seen it, you know, a, a, a high level running back can sort of jumpstart your run game. They still need to make a lot of moves in the offensive line. But um, I think if they do trade down and get extra day two picks or they make other trades, you know, Deion Jones, um, Calvin Ridley, you know, other possible trades like that, pick up additional day two picks. Um you know, I think the chances of that happening go up. Wide receiver is happening. There's going to be a wide receiver pick pretty and, and, early. And just to, just to answer Robert Kelly in the chat, yes, I would take Kyle Hamilton. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I don't think he's going to be there no. where the Falcons are picking. I think yeah. Hamilton probably at the moment goes top five. 
Yeah, I, I would. He is. Uh, yeah, Kyle Hamilton's actually number two on Draft Network's board, uh, which I get. Um, you know, for the Falcons, I would have it. My my top five would be Thibodeau, Hutchinson, Evan Neal, then Kyle Hamilton, and then probably like Derek Stingley Jr. as five. Um, but they're all really close. They're all really good. I just for the Falcons, I think you take the two. You would take the two like top five edge rushers or the potentially elite tackle over a safety just from positional value. But Kyle Hamilton, if we're, you know, sitting there at six and he's still there or seven, he's still there for whatever reason, then yeah, absolutely. It's just pure BPA at that point. You don't, you know, say no to that, but, um, I doubt it. I doubt he makes it out of the top five. Um, people will, people will, will want him. Uh, teams will cut him for sure. But wide receivers, the other one we haven't touched on a lot um, there's a lot of great wide receivers in this class. It seems like we say that every year now. Um, but on day two, uh, I do believe the Falcons will add a wide receiver. Um, I just don't know which one it'll be. There's a lot to, there's a lot to choose from. We've talked about Drake Jackson on here. Love it. Um, you know, maybe with his injury, he might be in range. Drake London. Drake London. Yeah. Oh yeah. Did I say Drake Jackson? Yes. Oh, okay. The past, I'm also fine with Drake Jackson also. Uh, but you know, funny enough, uh, what isn't it? They're two Drakes. They're both for, they both play for WS. Uh, they both play for USC. USC. Drake London and Drake Jackson. So that's probably what, you know. That's going to be a big problem for me. But <laughs> maybe um, we can take them both. Yeah, why not? A double dip and double dip at USC. I'm fine with that. Um, <laughs> George Pickens. I know Georgia fans love Pickens. Uh, he you know pretty much missed the season. That's the only reason he might be available in the second round. But he also he also has a few maturity issues. He does. Like, he does. Like, I, I remember he did get suspended for, you know, getting into it with some Georgia Tech guys last year. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's definitely not something where, you know, it's an absolute deal breaker. No. And then you have, like, uh, you know, Jameson Williams from Alabama, obviously having a just amazing season. Um, David Bell from Purdue is a guy I take a lot in mocks because he tends to be there sort of late in the second round. I think he makes a ton of sense. You know, once you get to like the David Bell sort of guys, you're sort of looking at the high end twos instead of the, uh, you know, dominant ones. But, you know, I think with Kyle Pitts here, you don't necessarily need like a dominant Julio Jones type wide receiver one in this offense with Kyle Pitts in the building. But you do need a couple of like high end twos, like guys that can beat one on one coverage and um, can take advantage of the attention that Kyle Pitts is going to garner. And the Falcons, without Calvin, really don't have any <laughs> like high-level wide receiver twos right now. So, um, you know, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Linebacker, I guess, if they do trade Deion Jones or don't re-sign Foye, becomes more of a need. I think it's more of like a later need, though. Um, you know, I think it's like an early day three sort of pick. Um, there's a couple guys that I like in that range. Um, like uh, Micah McFadden. Um he seems like right up their alley. He's like a just total demon blitzer. Like uh, he's maybe the best blitzing linebacker in college football. Uh, I think he has like nine sacks this year or something as like an off ball, like linebacker. Um, you know, he's not like elite everywhere else in his game. I would say he's probably like a solid starter, but his blitzing ability uh, could make him a really, really good fit for what this, uh, this defense in particular likes to do. I mean, I would say he's not bad. I think he's a good athlete. I think he can cover some, he can hit, um, but you know, he's not like uh Brandon Smith where he's just like this elite 
athlete at linebacker that's going to do all this stuff. But Mike McFadden, very good pass rusher. So, um, but yeah, there's there's just a lot of places they need help. You know, they're probably going to be looking for another tight end too because Hayden Hurst is going to be leaving. Um, you know, maybe you could. This is a really good tight end class actually. So maybe you find you could probably find someone on day three that's that can help you there. Um, but there's really it's like I don't. Is there any position we haven't talked about at this point? Like, I feel like we've said every position. We now, need so. all of them. We need every position. <laughs> I will. I won't say no to anything uh, at this point, but which is not a great position to be in. But some of these things are going to have to be free agency. Um, I do think they're probably going to go after an offensive lineman in free agency. I don't. I doubt it'll be a tackle because it'll be too expensive. But uh, trying to find a veteran, either center or guard, to compete with Mayfield, Dahlman, and Hennessy, I think that's very likely. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens there. But I, I think they, they, they need to go into the season with at least one veteran in there to sort of mix it up. Even if they, you know, and if, if Hennessy and Mayfield end up beating out the veteran, that's great. Um, but you can't go in there without any sort of backup, um, any sort of competition. Um, anything else with the draft you guys want to touch on before we uh, move to some, some Jaguars talk here before we wrap up? I think we hit it all. Yeah, I think we've basically done all we can at this point in the season. <laughs> I mean, it's November. We can't really, you know, can't really go too much more in depth yeah because we don't know where the falcons are picking we don't know the rest of the draft order we don't know who exactly has declared um they so. could lose out and make it obvious or they could technically win out make it hey, i'm <laughs> telling you if, if we lose out and beat new orleans yeah I'd, I'd consider that a successful year but that's yeah. what yeah. top two pick uh, uh, no, they'd have five so. wins in that case. Yeah, well, they'd have five wins. I, I expect yeah. if they if they do if they were to just straight up lose out, they'll probably be picking in the top five. If they win one more game, it depends. Uh, probably yeah. six or seven. Um, if they win two more be, games, they'll probably still be in the top ten. But I I think they they could still be fifth if they win one more. I think I, it's entirely possible. Yeah. Um, because well, if you give Jacksonville a win. Then Jacksonville's only one win ahead of you in the draft order. So, and also uh, the Falcons have the weakest strength of schedule. In they the do. NFL. That, that matters a lot. It does because that's the main tiebreaker in the draft. It is. Uh, really if the, the Falcons one. are tied yeah. in record, then the Falcons will get the higher pick because they've played the weaker schedule. Mm-hmm. That's what's funny is like they have the weaker schedule, and it's benefited them because these teams like all of a sudden suck. Like the Bills should be. Like should have a better record, but they, they just keep yeah. like shooting themselves yeah. in the foot, and, and it may not with, end like, up Tampa. that way. Yeah, like if the Bills yeah. rebound and have a great season, you know, if some of these teams end up finishing stronger. Uh, you know, the Falcons' strength of schedule will get better, but I still don't think it's going to be a great strength of schedule. Like they'll still be probably under five hundred strength of schedule. Which, for the record, every single team picking ahead of them right now, except for Miami which is the pick is owned by Philadelphia, but it's Miami's pick. Every single one is above 500 in terms of their strength of schedule. And the Falcons are at four, five, four. <laughs> so they've got a ways to go before that becomes an issue. Uh, so, you know, and like a lot of these teams, like Miami has started to play better. Seattle probably going to win a couple more games, you know, who knows? Uh, Chicago, I don't know. Uh, but, Philadelphia is probably going to win a bunch of games. They're at 11. You know, they're probably going to, they look better. Um, so like 
it really just depends on the Falcons. Um, the Falcons look better and play better than they're probably going to pick closer to where they are now. If they collapse, I mean, there's a chance they end up in the top five. So, um, Falcons, it's in your hands. You know, we would like it if you played better, and that would be more fun to cover. But it, but I would say just pick one. You know, don't win like three games and be terrible the rest of the time. Just like either like win some games and like be spicy, or like you know, or just lose. <laughs> Hopefully, don't lose like you did the last two weeks. But you know, like um, make it respectable. It's, it's yeah. saying a lot that the Falcons are literally one game outside the playoff picture, <laughs> and we spent yeah. the and last forty nine, minutes yeah. talking about the draft. Yes, well, that that tells you the confidence we have in this team moving yeah. forward. Well, coming off. Uh, the last two weeks where they've scored a combined three points. Um, I think it's understandable for us to be feeling that way. So you know, we'll see what happens this weekend, right? <laughs> Great seg into some Jaguars talk. Uh, <laughs> so the Falcons get to play the Jaguars this weekend. Um, it is maybe the easiest game that they're no, I, going to play so far. Well, I mean, lines. that they've played so far. Oh, yeah, yeah, so far. Oh, I thought um, you meant, like, overall. No, the Lions is going to be the easiest, probably. But, um, I don't know. The Jets are pretty bad, too. Jets with yeah. Zach Wilson? Yeah. Well, the Jets, I, the Jets are somehow better than the Jaguars, I think. But I think the Jaguars are better than the Jets now. But I don't know statistically if they're better than the Jets still. But for, for reference, the, uh, the Jaguars are 31st in scoring right now. Um, and they are 25th in scoring defense. Um you know, they've struggled on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, they're a little bit better in terms of yardage, but, um, you know, the Jaguars actually have fewer turnovers on defense than the Falcons, which is really saying something. Um, but, uh, the Jaguars passing attack, not great. The Jaguars rushing attack better, you know, more like league average. So, um, they are, however, worse in the league in scoring efficiency. Um, they do not score very often. I believe they score on only 24% of their drives, uh, which is, like I said, the worst in the league. So, um, you know, this is a team that has, has really struggled. Um, and they've looked better some weeks, and they've looked worse some weeks. But ultimately, the talent level for this roster is just not very good as a whole, which I think is a good matchup for the Falcons. (laughs) If the Falcons aren't out talented by you, they could probably beat you uh, because the Falcons are like, have a base because the Falcons have a franchise quarterback in Matt Ryan. They sort of have a baseline of, we can maybe beat teams that don't have that. And I think that's sort of where we are with a team like the Jaguars, but I'm interested to, to hear your guys' confidence level in the Falcons going into this matchup with the uh, the Jaguars, which, as we've talked about, not a particularly fearsome defense, certainly not a fearsome offense. So, Evan, I'll let you you go first on this one. Yeah, um, I mean, if there was ever a point to think the Falcons should win a game, I think it's this one. I mean, obviously Detroit too, but Jaguars aren't a great team. Um, the thing that's holding the Falcons back the most is if Patterson doesn't play. And I'm pretty sure we would have heard Ridley was playing if he was on play by now. So yeah. assuming he, you know, he's out too. Uh, Matt Ryan doesn't have a ton of weapons there. Um, I'm kind of thankful because I was supposed to cover this game, but the NFL <laughs> like made the rule where, you, you know, this year because of COVID. So I don't have to go up to Jacksonville and see this mm-hmm. train wreck, but it could be like a really ugly game 
um, both sides. Uh, Jacksonville just lost Agnew, who um, was kind of like a Cordero Patterson light where they've been using him a lot in their offense. He's out for the season. Um, trying to think who else. James Robinson, He's lim- he was limited in practice. He's dealing with a heel and a uh, knee injury. And also on defense, they have uh, Shaquille Griffin, who's been, I think, their best corner. He's uh, in concussion protocol. Um, so they've got a ton of injuries on their team. Um, we've got some minor injury injuries here and there, but some, you know, some of our best talent who haven't been on the field in a little while. So yeah, it could be ugly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jamal Agnew, I think is their fourth leading receiver. Um, he was also their kick returner. I think he had, um, like, what was it? I think he had multiple return touchdowns this year. Um, or maybe just one. Yeah, no, like he had the one yard or last year. Yeah, he had the one. He, he's one of the best week. returners in the league for sure. He does. He did have a kick return touchdown this year, a hundred and two yard kick return touchdown. Um, so obviously, uh, that hurts their special teams as well. Um, you know, them being down a corner isn't going to help things. They do have Josh Allen, uh, not that Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen. The superior um, one. The superior yeah, he destroyed, Josh Allen. You exactly. destroyed the build, Josh Allen. <laughs> yes. Had like a um, pick, a fumble recovery, a sack that game. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so he has five and a half sacks and nine tackles for loss to go along with 12 QB hits. So he is absolutely a threat. Falcons would be wise to make sure they're blocking him with a tight end. I would just chip him every single play with a tight end. I don't even care. Like, just do it. Uh, but, uh, you know, so they, they certainly do. He's obviously a very good player. Um, but they haven't really gotten much out of Caleb on Chison. That was a guy that the Falcons, uh, people will remember. Uh, the Falcons were interested in Chison. I think it was the 2020 draft class. Um, he hasn't really been much much of anything for them. Um, they traded away last year's top 10 pick, C.J. Henderson, uh, to the Panthers for like a fifth. So that's obviously not great. Um, <laughs> but, they got uh, Dan Arnold. They got Dan Arnold. They did. That. That's all that matters. Dan Arnold's actually their, what, uh, third leading receiver already? He's only played seven games out of the ten. Um, he's their third leading receiver. <laughs> he's gotten 40 targets in the last seven games. That's wild. Um, but, uh, I mean, honestly, I think that the Falcons offense should be able to survive. Um in terms of, you know, this defense, the Falcons defense, I think actually should be able to match up pretty well. Not a lot of dynamic threats in this passing game. DJ shark is on IR out for the season. Uh, Marvin Jones is still a quality guy and LaVisca Chenault offers, you know, some flexibility. Um, but yeah, and Dan Arnold, uh, <laughs> but not you exactly. You know who I think could make an impact? Laquan yeah. On Treadwell. Oh, he had three targets revenge game. Week. Revenge I'm gonna game. call it now that he's yeah. gonna score a touchdown. Oof. Revenge game. He scored like 12 in your Madden simulation. I know. Yeah, dude. Know. Yeah, Laquan Treadwell, MVP. Madden MVP. Yeah. Um, total god. But yeah, I mean, this is a game the Falcons should win, right? If they don't, I don't <laughs> want to be on. I mean, it sucks. We have to cover this. Oh, I'll be if they don't, the, the viewership will be amazing. Yes. Right. But they I can always count injured. on you guys for that. The yeah. thing to remember for the viewers is we don't play or work for the Falcons, so you can be angry with us, but don't be angry at us because yes. it's not our fault. If we had any impact on the Falcons, we'd have Creed Humphrey 
at center right now. Um, now, just like Eric, every time Eric came on and talked about Brian Burns, every single time Brian oh, Burns made a play, Creed Humphrey is my Brian Burns. I will never let this team forget or anyone forget how much I stood on the table for Creed Humphrey. And I just want you guys to know how right I was. But anyway, please continue talking about the Jaguars game. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's it's one of those. I, I feel like this will be one of those games where, like, neither team feels good about itself after uh, afterwards. I think it'll be one of those, like, 17-14, like, slop fests. Um, yeah. I, I'll, I'll pick the Falcons. I think the Falcons will win this game. Uh, one, because they've been actually very good on the road for some reason. And, um, yeah, it's uh, I trust Matt Ryan more than Trevor Lawrence at this point to, to make those plays at the end of the game. But, yeah, I, I feel like this this will be a game where, where nobody wins, the viewers included. Yeah, I don't think this is going to be a particularly fun one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Falcons should win. Uh, I just, oh, if they lose to the Jaguars, it's going to be dark times. It's going to be, going to be very dark times. Um, yeah, I mean, do you, <sighs> the offense isn't going to like score zero points again, right? I mean, they better not against the Jaguars. Like the Patriots defense is one thing. I mean, yeah. e- even that, even then it's like, you shouldn't be getting shut out against anyone, but it's like. All right, the Patriots have arguably, like, you know, maybe even the best defense in the league. But, yeah, the Jags, like, I just watched the Jags last week against the 49ers. The 49ers took their first drive, and it lasted over 13 minutes in the first quarter because the Jaguars just could not stop them on third down. <laughs> and then, like, I think the time of possession at one point was like 25 minutes to like two. So yeah. it's the Jags. The Jags had a good defense in 2017, the Saxonville year. They had a good year in 2017. Outside of that, they've been the AFC's punching bag since David Garrard retired, or since David Garrard, Garrard's era. They like went to the playoffs in 07, won a playoff game, and since then they've been back once. Yeah. The Blake Bortles year, my son. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I think it's more, it's more like the Jalen Ramsey year, but yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Blake Bortles had a legitimately good year that year, but unfortunately, that was his only good year of his career. So yeah, was, Blake Bortles was the king of garbage time. Yes, at love one that. point, that man was a, yeah, that I mean, man was a startable fantasy quarterback. Okay, put oh, some respect, he was, he was put a some respect on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I remember respect. they put him in the in the NFL's like top one hundred at one point. And I'm like, what are we doing here? Yes, he was like number fifty two. Yeah, I was, like, hoping that that would be the start of, like, making that pick good and, like, Jacksonville being good. Because I think everyone kind of secretly is, like, it would be fun. Like, maybe the Jaguars, you know, wouldn't be terrible now. Like, maybe they could actually be, like, a good team. That would shake up the AFC. You know, it would be exciting. It would be nice to see, you know, this this sort of basement-dwelling team be good. And then it was just, like, back to the trash can with you. <laughs> yeah, they, they had that, like, one year. And instead of, like, building on it, they just, like... It... Well, I don't even know how many players are still on that team from that year. Like it, it wasn't even it was like immediate. Like immediately afterwards they just like went crashing down because they decided to give Tom Coughlin like influence and power for some reason. <laughs> so and he strange. was just like he was just like the old man trying to like, you know, keep everyone in line with his like tough love antics that just like which like just doesn't work in the NFL. It's like yeah. these yeah. aren't college kids. 
Nope. And, uh, yeah, it's, let me, you know, just remind everyone that the Jaguars did lose to the, uh, Geno Smith Seahawks 31 to seven. So I feel like the Falcons got this, but also who the hell knows with this team. So, (laughs) but this team is really good at like, whenever we count them out, and just start feeling like okay, well they're just bad. Then they just yeah, like I'm not count- I'm not counting them out against the Jaguars. No, it's, it's like, pretty hard to do that. It's the Jaguars. Yep. But yeah, Evan, any any anything else you want to add on this game before we sign off? Um, I think I think it's going to be close. I think the Falcons are going to win, but I'm going to just say like 17-14. Uh, Quan Treadwell touchdown. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not excited for it because I feel like the Falcons have more to lose because if they lose, it's going to be a disaster. Where if the Jaguars lose, it's like, oh, okay. I think it's, it's like, oh, it's we're still Jaguars. another week yeah. in, in Jacksonville. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, no, I will, yeah. my bold prediction will be we'll get another young Waiku game winning field goal. Yeah. Maybe not at the like last second, but maybe it'll be one of those where like, you know, he kicks it with like a minute and a half left and the defense like clamps down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anonymous says, if the Jags play like they did against the Bills, we might lose, if I'm being real. I mean, that's a good they point. They good against the Bills. But then the Bills are just so, like... Well, they only scored nine They're points. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like, they were dominating the Bills' Did anybody actually watch offense. that game? I did not. Like, they just couldn't uh, run the ball or something? I watched plenty of that game. And, yeah, it was just, like... I don't, like, it was... Josh Allen just was not... The Josh Allen, I mean the Bills Josh Allen. Which Josh Allen? Yeah, yeah. 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 No, the Jaguars <laughs> Josh Allen was great. Yeah. yeah, the Jaguars Josh Allen had the game of his life, but the Bills Josh Allen was just like, just like missing throws. He looked like just... college Josh Allen. Yeah. Like that's what he looked like in college. So it's like I, I just don't know, man. Like I, I thought it was a bad pick. I like you know, fessed up. Like I was like, okay, I was wrong about Josh Allen, and then this year he's right back to being inconsistent again. So I just yeah, don't. He's inconsistent, but he's like he's still, still really good. Good. Yeah, it's like it's not like he's bad and consistent. It's like all right, I feel like if we had seen this from Josh Allen his rookie year, we'd be like, oh, he's fantastic. But because yeah. he's coming off of that like year where he was almost the MVP last year, it's like the expectations are a lot higher. So you know he he's being judged on you know on a much much tougher like grading scale. Yep. Yeah, I know. Uh... Anonymous also says uh, this might be the game the run game gets going. I don't think so because the Jaguars are oh, actually fourth it. in the league uh, at, in terms of yards per carry allowed. They only allow 3.9. So don't think the Falcons are running the ball much in this one. <laughs> uh, we'll get some quadrialis according to Arthur Apparently. Uh, I don't think that's really going to do much. I don't know that it's going to matter really at all who is the running back based on how the offensive line has been playing. But, um, you know, whatever. I'm down. Uh, I'm down to see. I mean, we got to find out what we have in these running backs. Like, we need to know who we can, who we can bring into next year. But um, <laughs> okay, George stands with the five dollars. He says Jacksonville thirty ATL seven. While Urban Meyer gets another trending picture of him getting a lap dance to celebrate the win. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. If, if they blow us out and uh, picture services of Urban Meyer getting a lap dance. I, the Falcons have to fold the franchise at that yeah, point. Yeah, that, that's I, over. I don't, I don't think yeah. there's any going back. Yeah. Yeah, he also, George also says, Jordan Davis, baby, mm, beefy. Yeah, he's got the steak on the brain. Is, is that, the- George, is that this year's <laughs> Kyle Pitts? 
Jordan Davis. Yeah, it's Jordan Davis. This year's Kyle Pitts. George, we need an official answer. You can give it to us on the post-game show, which, guys, will be Sunday right after the conclusion of the game. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, please do like and subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, and uh, you can check us out on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash alcoholiclive if you're interested in supporting the show. Um, yeah, before we sign off, just want to thank my co-host this evening. First of all, we have Adnan Ikech. He's at Say Which Way. Adnan, anything you're working on you'd like to plug? Uh, yeah, series history and fantasy stud and dud are both going on Saturday. Um, or not fantasy stud and dud. Fantasy stud and dud goes on Monday. Uh, what if we win or lose goes on Saturday. And yeah, I just want to wish all of the viewers a very happy Thanksgiving. Um, you know, enjoy enjoy that Bears Lions game at noon. Um, but yeah, uh, in all seriousness, don't don't neglect your family to watch <laughs> the the fucking Bears game. Yeah, no, I, you can skip that one. I feel pretty confident yeah. you can skip that one. Um, yeah, just the, turn the, on the that, afternoon game. Yeah, the Cowboys game will be you know that should be solid. Yeah, and, yeah, that one's that, better. Yeah, the Bills Saints game that that's one that you know that that'll be a good one. But think, yeah, don't. Was it last year the Saints lost on Thanksgiving too, or maybe it was the year before? I can't remember. I don't remember. I just remember they beat us on Thanksgiving. Well, that was several years ago. I don't remember that game. I forgot that one. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. um, yeah, no. Have have a great have a great holiday. You know, with your families. Thanks for tuning in, and you know, we'll we'll be here weekly. Yeah, yeah, we will. We will continue to be here regardless of how bad the team is. Uh, Yes, George says Jordan Davis is his official pick, so we have to pay attention to Jordan Davis now. That yeah, means you know what it's I, official. Yeah. We can chalk it up. So you can get rid of the yeah, mock You know what I respect about George? I respect the fact that he picks one guy and he sticks with it. It's November. It was November last year when, yep. he, when he announced the Kyle Pitts. It's, it's not like these, you know, draft analysts where it's like, oh, it's going to be this pick, and then they, like, change their mind. It's going to be – no, no, George, George is a man of principle. He, he chooses one guy and he sticks with him. Yep. Yeah. George, George has takes. Okay. And he's consistent with his takes. He's got a hot, he's got the hot takes, but he doesn't shy away from the hot takes. He gives the hot take and he stands behind it. That that's a true take artist right there. You know, you're not, you don't move on to the next hot take. You just deliver the one. Um, all right. Also with us, we have director of guest personnel who's working some magic for us next week. I believe I'm excited to talk about that more. Uh, he is Evan Birchfield. Oh, I don't even know what's going on next week. Yeah. Add Evan. We have to get Evan in on, or we have to get you know Adnan in the loop on this one. But yeah, uh, Evan, anything you're working on, you'd like to plug? Uh, I, I think Evan. Uh, I, oh, yeah. I, I think his connection, like his connection, was really. Yeah, bad. he was having some issues. He, well, yeah, he was going in and out. Yeah, I know he's working on um, the uh, React uh, article, um, so you guys can check that out probably tomorrow. Uh, or you can check but, in on how if, confident Falcons fans are. Yeah. If Evan was here, he would tell you to. Uh, Go check out thefalcoholic.com yep. for yep. all of your all of your needs. <laughs> the uh, Instagram, with, with all, yeah. yeah, the Instagram. He runs. He does a great job running the Instagram. Yep. And he would tell you to uh, watch the live show every Wednesday, and you know, watch the post game show right after the game ends. On Absolutely. Sunday. Evan's a great company man. He's always he's always you know doing the right things there. Um, yeah, Avenging Angels. Thank you for checking in, man. Appreciate you watching. Happy Thanksgiving to you, and happy Thanksgiving for me. Uh, Kevin Knight, F. Alcoholic Kevin. I'll have stuff um, coming throughout the rest of the week as we get pretty ready for this game. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, <laughs> George wants to know, Adnan, any Braves World Series gear yet? <laughs>
Uh, yes, I actually, actually, the the only Braves World Series gear I got was from one of those street vendors at the parade. <laughs> he was he was, sell, he was selling like World Series shirts for like twenty dollars each. So I was like, you know what? Why, why not? Why not? Let, let me uh, let, let me uh, pour some money and uh, back into the economy and help help these entrepreneurs out. Exactly. That that's that's Adnan right there. He's you know really doing his part to juice up the economy coming off the COVID year. So you know, applause to Evan or to, to Adnan for that one. Um, that was a pretty good shirt. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. You hey, know. sometimes those street vendors are on point. You know, they don't don't you know diss the street vendors. They 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 sometimes got shirts sometimes better than the legit ones. So yeah, I, I made sure that all the names on the back were correct. <laughs> that's smart. It's a good call. Good call by you. Um, all right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, like I said, we'll see you guys on Sunday for the post-game show, probably around 4.15 approximately. Um, until then, guys, have a great night. Have a great Thanksgiving. We will see you on Sunday. Uh, have a great one, guys, and happy Thanksgiving from everyone here at the Falcoholic. Good night, guys.